0: Welcome to the Travel Tales Podcast. The winners are the, the people with the most stories.
1: One of the great things about traveling is the people that you meet. I've slept in bus stations, like uh, I've slept on people's floors. It's already on fire, and then there's just a gigantic, huge explosion, like out of a Hollywood movie. It's not right or wrong, it's just different. We hired like 10 Chinese prostitutes to come be our audience.
0: We were kidnapped by nuns in Puerto Rico. (laughs) Not a good idea to be high when you're packing. You forget a lot of stuff. I got swine flu. By the time you've lived through it, it's just a good story. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Travel Tales Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Siegel. Happy 2017. I'm back. Yes, I know some of you were afraid I wasn't going to come back. But yep, here I am. Thank you for listening. If you are a long-time listener, thanks for sticking around. Um, I know some of you were uh, wrote me with some concerns. And first of all, first and foremost, I know at the end of 2016 in the wrap-up show, I asked for people to write. And some of you did. And I appreciate that. You know who you were. I tried to answer all the emails. I think I did. I think I got everybody. But I truly appreciate it. Like I said before, Podcasting is something you, you do on your own, and you put it out there and you hope people are listening. And when they write back and, and tell you what you think of the show, what it means to them, it always feels great. So for those of you who wrote me at TravelTalesPodcast at gmail.com, thank you for writing me, and I appreciate all of you who listen, and I hope you'll stick around in the new year. I apologize for the extra long layoff over the holidays. After all, it was the holidays. I think I deserve a little time off. I hope you took some time off. I did some traveling. As I mentioned before I left, I did a couple cruises, one uh, for Celebrity, one for Holland America. And the Holland America one, I was supposed to be on for 10 days over New Year's, all the way up until the 6th of January. But I did my shows early in the trip i did it the first two nights of the trip and i asked if i could leave early and they said sure so i bought a quick flight from jamaica back to miami and got to spend a week with my family which was great but consequently i was planning on interviewing some people on the ship i had 10 days on the ship to kill so i thought i'd have a lot of time to meet some people who'd be willing to be interviewed but uh, i left and no way my mom was going to do a podcast she has no interest. Neither does any of my <laughs> anybody else in my immediate family. They're uh, they're over it. So nevertheless, I did not get many interviews over my time away. I did, however, get some exciting news last week that I will reveal right now, and that is the cruise agent called me and asked if I had two weeks open in February, to go to the last continent that I've never set foot on, which is Antarctica. So from February 9th through 23rd, I will be doing a two-week cruise comedy gig in Antarctica. I'm going to meet the ship in Ushuaia, Argentina, which, if you look on a map, is the bottom of South America. It is the southernmost city in the world. So I have no idea how long it's going to take me to get there. My guess is anywhere between 25 and 35 hours of traveling, depending on layovers. It's going to be brutal. But yet the payoff is I will be spending two weeks on a luxury cruise, Seaborn, the Seaborn Quest. I've never worked for Seaborn, but I, I think they're about the same level as Crystal Cruise Lines, which I did uh, a couple times, as you may well know if you listen to the show. So yeah. Antarctica. I'm pretty excited about it. I have no idea what to expect. I'm guessing a lot of penguins, a lot of ice. We'll see. It's also a smaller boat than I'm used to being. I, sh- I got to stop saying boat. It's ship. They're always, con- uh, always correcting me on the ship. Uh, ship. It's a smaller ship, only about 450 passengers. And usually they most of these ships are over like between 2,000 and 2,500 passengers. So this is, is going to be a small ship. God, please let them laugh at my jokes, especially on the first night. I go up because I'm going to be with these people on the boat and 450 people, it's hard to avoid them. If the show goes bad, I'm going to see him at breakfast, I'm going to see him in the hallways, I'm going to see him on the excursions. <laughs> I'm going to see him everywhere. So, man, I hope it's a cool bunch. Can't wait. And on the 23rd, I'm going to get dropped off in Buenos Aires, one of my favorite cities in the world. And I asked my agent if they could ask the cruise line to fly me back a week later so I'd have some time to spend down in South America. I don't know if I'm going to stay in Buenos Aires yet, because as much as I love it, I have been there already. It'd be nice to see something new, but I haven't figured it out yet. When I know, you'll know. But this year is already starting out interesting. And speaking of interesting, our guest today is Mara Bloom. And Mara is a, uh, a friend of mine who appeared on the show way back in October of 2013, we first talked about uh, her trips to uh, a lot about her trips to india she's a designer she's an artist and uh, she makes uh, these high end handbags and uh, accessories girl stuff and uh, i'm no expert on that stuff by any means but it all looked really cool to me especially this wooden purse this wooden clutch that she made which just amazingly carved and intricate and uh, pretty incredible i'd never seen uh, a clutch like a woman's purse, like this. It's wood and it looks really, really cool. We talk about that. I'll have photos of all this stuff at the website at TravelTalesPodcast.com, but you can also check it out on her website, com, and we'll talk about all that. And uh, she's spent a lot of the last couple years in Indonesia as well as India, not only creating her latest line of uh, products, but also shooting a television show about uh, her inspiration and creating her new line. We all get something out of travel, whether it's just relaxation, whether it's work, or in Mira's case, inspiration. So I went up to her place in the hills and she was nice enough to sit down and uh, carve out some time in her busy schedule to uh, talk about where she's been and what she's up to. So please enjoy my conversation with the lovely and charming Mira Bloom. Tell me about the concept of the show.
1: So basically the concept is I'll travel the world and I'll be making niche limited edition collections inspired by each place. So when I go to India, I'll make a, maybe a Rajasthani collection, Turkey, Turkish inspired collection. Um, and it won't just be bags. It'll be jewelry or jackets or clothing or furniture, you know, anything. And they will be specifically for certain customers, um, that I will make intuitively for or stores. And then once I make it, I'll never make it again. They'll be very, very, like, really limited edition collections. And then I'll go somewhere else, do a whole new concept, new collection. And they will be going forward. I'm really going to be focusing on finding sustainable, eco friendly materials, vegan materials, working with, you know, I'm really excited to work with mushroom leather and. Uh,
0: mushroom leather?
1: Yeah. Okay.
0: Explain to me what mushroom leather, is. Yeah. This is actual like faux leather made from mushrooms?
1: Yeah. Apparently, I have. I, I can't, I'm not I'm not qualified to speak on it yet because I need to do the research
0: and. Well, you know more than me. So.
1: Yeah, I know that it exists exists <laughs> and uh, pineapple leather and and then just working with all kinds of materials. I'm really excited to just see what I can find along the way. And then the show will also explore you know my own life and the tagline is where I've been and where I'm going. And it'll be that's in a very real sense, physically, of Istanbul to Morocco, or also in a deeper sense.
0: So, did you shoot enough for a, uh, a full pilot, or did you make multiple episodes? How much did you shoot?
1: Well, I shot a lot. So, <laughs> we'll see. Um, definitely enough for a pilot. But um, yeah, we'll see. We'll see.
0: So, when you're going to all these places you went, and then there's somebody following you around with a camera, what did you. Uh, what did people think of that? That you would meet? Were they okay with being on camera, or they were like, "What is this for? What's happening?"
1: It, you know, it was a mix. A lot of people really enjoyed it. Um, <laughs> I, the Indonesian people, I think, uh, also kind of like India. There's a real strong sense of um, they really love art and film, and you know, being a part of something like that. So a lot of people were excited about it. But we tried to do it in a really incognito. You know, just uh, very not. You know, we didn't have big setups. It was pretty discreet.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So you're going to boil all that down to like a, a, just a pilot or do you have like a sizzle reel that you sent out for three, three minutes or how does this work?
1: Yeah. These are great questions. I'm still (laughs) figuring all that out. I think I'll start with the sizzle to kind of, um, you know, have something bite size and a little bit more easy to work with. And then I'll, I'm actually on my own kind of doing a rough cut of a, uh, the full pilot just so that I can hand that over to an editor to show what the arc of the story is but um, yeah that's that's what's in the works right now
0: so do these stories just show you um, coming up with inspiration or the actual making of it and are all these products done already that can people buy them
1: yeah so this collection was um, a new collection of wood carved clutches and they I uh, Fortnum and Mason department store in London Um was the first to, to order it. It was a pre-order sight unseen. I told them the concept and they said we want them. And, I mean, it's really flattering because this is where the queen shop, you know, it's like a mm-hmm. really high-end – do you know Fortnum & Mason? It's um, yeah. like on the first floor, really nice teas and groceries. and But then the second floor is these beautiful bags and jewelry and perfume. And, and so it's um, – it was really exciting. This is the second collection I made for for them, and so basically I, I went to Indonesia. I had to start from scratch. I had to find my artisans. I had to decide what I was going to make. Um, I decided to base it on my mom 's paintings and figure out what wood to use and go through the whole process and in the end they 're made and they 're in the department <laughs> store
0: that 's awesome. What was the most difficult about what was the most difficult thing about getting them done? in terms of like the production aspect of it and how was it different than any of the other stuff you've made there before?
1: To tell you the truth, this was one of the eas- there was such a flow happening this time that I haven't really encountered there before. The hardest thing was actually filming and finding people to film and
0: They didn't want to be on camera?
1: No, no, no. I mean the actual crew. Like, oh, okay. oh, yeah. <laughs> like oh, that was really... oh
0: production crew, yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, because I was playing producer and you know, oh. location scouter, and you know, just everything, and so it was directing, and that was that was the hardest um, part for me of the whole thing. Um, but it, it got done.
0: <laughs> did you go to different parts of India and Bali that you hadn't been before?
1: So this show, this the first episode is just Indonesia, okay. Um, but in, and then India, I did before, but I didn't film there yet. Um, for Bali, where did, did I go anywhere? no wait no I don't think I did <laughs> I think I had been everywhere
0: has it changed since you been starting to go there have you noticed a change
1: yeah it's it's really it's a, it, a lot of tourists a lot more tour. I mean there was already a lot I think I went for the first time 13 years ago I want to say um, but yeah like for example I went to Lombok the island next to Bali and you know when I was first there it was beautiful and untouched and just there weren't that many people there. And now it's a big hotspot. You know, it's, it's like Bali. It's a, another destination spot. Um, and even the Gili's. I remember going to the Gili Islands off the coast of Lombok and there not being anyone there. And now again, another hotspot, but I still would go back to Meno, which is my favorite.
0: I went to Trawanga.
1: Oh yeah. That's the party Island.
0: Yeah. Well, I was scuba diving. That's more or less. Yeah. And maybe I partied a little bit, <laughs> but, um, so where would you suggest if people want to go, to uh, Indonesia if they want to get away from the touristy stuff?
1: Well, I, I really love Gili Meno. That's the island in between Ayer and Young. It's the, the – they call it the honeymoon island. So it's very
0: – So it was nice to be there alone but you're yeah. watching a sunset. Yes, you know, it's very nice.
1: romantic. <laughs> but it's beautiful and the water is beautiful. And if you're not a surfer and you don't want to have to combat really – Big crazy waves It's just You can just float You know It's just mm-hmm. so nice To give all your Worries away Which I had a lot of <laughs> <And> so <laughs> That was nice And the only thing is The beach is pretty corally So it's actually painful Oh wow Yeah You have to be really careful Walking um,
0: Is get- Menno? How do you spell yeah, it? Yeah
1: M E N O. Okay Yeah you um, Under the water I mean it's really sharp So you just it, That's the only thing about it uh, And unfortunately It's getting dirty You know there's trash Being washed up from lombok and that's it's sad um that's another change there's just the amount of trash and whatnot but you know it's it's such a charming island you know just like all of the ghillies there's no motorbikes no cars you know you just get around by horse-drawn carriage or bicycle <laughs> or walking and you can walk the whole island and you know i stayed in a little bamboo hut a hut that my um, friend hero owns and it's just all eco-friendly and he makes his own soap and it you know it's just, it's really charming and sweet and just sleeping with your door open and hearing the beach is there's just nothing like that.
0: <laughs> is this an inn or is it you just stayed in his house?
1: You no, know that he has he's like a little. Uh,
0: we can get a plug in there for.
1: Yeah, uh, sunset gecko. <laughs> um, yeah, and it's really affordable and just very quaint. Yeah.
0: Okay, so how long were you gone? It stretches. I mean, did you come back to like? Um, take meetings or do anything or take care of business back in US? Or were you gone for like a year?
1: I was gone for five months. I did not intend to be gone that long. I really was like hoping to get it all done in like two months. (laughs) Well, I was saying like a month and I knew that wasn't realistic. And I was like, okay, two It's probably the more realistic, but that turned into like four and a half, almost five. And it's just, I'm such a perfectionist. And so I, and I wound up making so many more collections than just the wood carvings you know I was doing jewelry I was doing clothes and 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 until things are perfect I can't leave it I drive myself insane and so and then the filming I I, one really hard thing about the filming which I need to figure out for the future is I really wanted someone to be with me the whole time and it just wasn't feasible I couldn't figure that out and so you know to be able to capture enough footage and enough of you know I didn't get to show um enough of i don't think like how hard it is you know i wanted to really show like you know that you have to be insane to do this but i I don't know if that comes across but we'll see
0: so you had a hard time finding someone to spend five months in bali i know a few guys uh, maybe one i know one guy that might have considered it
1: yeah is that you (laughs) yes (laughs) that
0: wouldn't have been so awful
1: all right next were you paying though
0: were you paying yeah okay wow paid too
1: But I I got local people. Well, I had, let's see, I had um, an Indonesian guy. Then there was a, a guy from LA, but he happened to be there. And then I got a French, like Portuguese, Spanish guy. So, but I, you know, going forward, also, I like the idea of, you know, one of the big parts of this show is celebrating local artisans and using, you know, utilizing artisans locally and whatnot and so that i i liked that that kind of spilled over to you know the indonesian guy Ruta, that i had was fantastic and i mean they were all fantastic but um it's just nice to to support local people where you are you know and they also know the place the best you know they know the locations and speak the language and yeah
0: are you still a one woman show i mean do you do you have anybody helping you with all this stuff
1: yeah i have help i mean not not enough but i have assistance and whatnot i i definitely that's i've gotten hopefully a, te- a bigger team will be building itself <laughs> soon
0: well any uh production mishaps or any kind of uh stories that happened? did you uh, get a monsoon anything that uh disrupted production or filming
1: hmm
0: How about bag production any labor disputes anything
1: yes yes <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to find one of my old workers and um, who I had had years and years ago when I had my own little workshop there and I went on a whole hunt for him to Java and then I finally found him and you know I could I could have found people in Bali locally but I wanted to give him the work and so I give him the work and you know, Next thing I know, I wanted to be—I like to be there, like to sit on the floor with them and work with them—and and he didn't want me to. And I, you know, I had work going on in Bali, so I respected his wishes and I left. And and when I came back to check on things, <laughs> they weren't there. And then basically, when it came back, he he said um, he had given the work away, and it was so terrible the job that they did. And he wanted to show me how bad it was, which you know is so. <laughs> You know, usually we would think like, "Oh my God, I gave the work away, and now it's terrible. I've got to fix it really fast. I don't want them to her to see what happened." But no, he wanted me to see just how badly the work that he gave away, what that you know, what had happened. I said, "What?" I said, "Why did you do that? You promised me. You know, I came all this way to give you specifically. You know, I." Went, and he said, "Well, they wanted the work, and in my culture, if they, you know, if if uh, if people want something, you give it to them." I said, yeah, but it was your job. <laughs> I was like, if you worked, you know, if you worked at some place, you're not going to just give up. Like, you know, it's like, yes, you can give them a bar of chocolate, but don't give them. <laughs> He's like, yeah, I'm very, very sorry. So then I gave him a chance to correct it, and then it just it wasn't getting finished, and that, that was a that was a blow. That was more than anything, I just was sad that it, and then it delayed everything, and people were like, where are my bags? And you know, how am I going to explain it to them? Like, look, I was on a hunt for this artisan, and then he. <laughs> You know, and, yeah.
0: <laughs> was there something that you came across in terms of, okay, you designed something and said, I'm going to use this material. And then you get there and you're like, oh, wait a minute, I can't use this material. Or is it like, I don't know, you find something that your plans didn't work like you thought it would.
1: Yeah, that that happens a lot, I think. Um, you know, and it's, it's a real sourcing game. And, um, you know, I think that's yeah, I'm just trying to think of certain examples, but you know, like I, I try to make my brass hardware, it's all hand carved. I try to make it really perfect and just the nature of it being handmade. It's hard to make that perfect. And you just sort of, you know, it's always problem solving and how to do it. And and now going forward, I can foresee, you know, really focusing on eco-friendly things and sustainable and, you know, materials that don't impact the earth. And I, I know that that's going to be a really big challenge because I feel like anything we do has some sort of impact. And so, um, you know, but setting out to make something beautiful, you know, how do you reconcile, you know, beauty and quality, and then also sustainability. And so I think that's going to be a big part of the show is kind of um, that those efforts and challenges and
0: what about India though? I know for a lot of people uh, as we know, India is daunting to a lot of people, but is there places are there places that you went this time around that maybe you hadn't discovered before that that uh, surprised you at all?
1: Well, so I didn't go to India this time, but I went um last year and then the time before that. And actually,
0: I mean since we've met.
1: Oh, excuse me, excuse me. Three
0: and a half years.
1: Excuse me. <laughs> 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 so um <laughs> I, well, I will say this actually, since I saw you last is I started working in India for the first time. I've never, I, I you know, I l- love India as a place to visit and I never, I never wanted to make anything there because it's <laughs> so hard as it is to make anything anywhere. And I thought, I don't want to make, you know, I just, I knew that India would be really, really hard. Also. Harder than Bali? Yeah, maybe. Potentially. I, I That's what I was thinking that it could be. Or, or I had had so many difficulties in the past in Bali that I was foreseeing that India could potentially be even harder. Uh, but there's so many skills. In it. I mean, like Bali too, both places happen to have incredibly skilled artisans. And, um, and so everything I had wanted, to, I really wanted to do embroidery and um, certain kinds of handwork that India is just the best for. There's just no comparison. And so... Um, yeah, I, I, I worked in Bombay, I worked in Delhi, uh, those, and in Chennai, those were the three main places. And, you know, of course they're the big cities there, mm-hmm.
0: but, but you never got out in the country or anything.
1: I, I do. I always go to the country actually, but that's for my own, my own peace of mind and well being. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I always go to the same place, um, for spiritual reasons outside of, it's about six hours from Bombay, like two and a half hours from Pune.
0: Is this an ashram or anything like that?
1: It's not an ashram. It's um, Meher Baba's home. Um, And so it's called, actually, it's where my name, well, not where my name comes from, but Marabad and Merazad. So I was named after who who is Meher Baba's closest female disciple. And um, these places are based on Meher Baba's name. So Meher means compassionate or love. And so it's... A Mayher so Marabad is like a boat of love. I want to. Say. I'm probably getting this wrong. But and Marizad <laughs> is like garden of love. I don't quote me on that. But in that world, something okay. like that. Yeah.
0: So Marababa is is uh, was Pete Townsend's guy, right?
1: That's correct. Aha!
0: See, I always remember that one. <laughs> um, so, like, have you noticed any kind of change? And you've been going for to India. We talked about that last time you we were here for like years since you were really young. Yeah. Um. Have you noticed any kind of changes in in the country, or I don't know whether it's politically or the vibe or economically, in the last few years?
1: Yeah, actually, um, it is so different. So I first went in nineteen eighty eight, and then going back when you were two, yeah, I was seven. <laughs> I had just turned seven. I'm trying to give you a few extra thank, years thank here. You, thank we're you. in
0: Hollywood, you Gosh, know.
1: Can we delete? No. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, and from then till, um, now, uh, it, it's amazing. I mean, just like, it's incredible. The changes I, the roads and the, the, the buildings. And I mean, it's, uh, yeah, I'm trying to think of specific ways to describe it, but it, it just, it's a lot more Westernized for better or for worse. Um, a lot more conveniences that weren't there in the past, you know, great food, great restaurant. I mean, it's, they're, they're like, it yeah, it was, it's just, I was actually really blown away. Um, I don't, I'm trying to think of when that happened that I really noticed it, maybe 2012 or so, maybe your 13 as I really saw the biggest change.
0: As someone who's going there to hire, we always hear about you know, the labor force there, the labor force, and it's, uh, cheap, you know, it's cheap labor because they have so much Humanity there, so labor comes pretty cheap. So how do you, as you're wanting not to exploit people, but still want to hire them, how do you balance, you know, what you see and what you can pay and everything else?
1: I tend to let the artisans steer me there. So, you know, most, actually all, pretty much all my artisans tell me their their price and what they want. And, um, and so you know that's i kind of let them be my my guide to what you know I, I always say to them like look you have to be happy i have to be happy you know we need to find a um you know like at the end of the day they have to be happy they're the ones making it and and i really feel it's really important in in all you know i take that very seriously that they feel good making whatever it is they're making for me and so and obviously money's a big part of that and so um I I tend to pay well, you know, because, yeah, that's...
0: <laughs> <laughs> How do we tell that to, like, Americans who shop here and they go, oh, we, we love being able to go to H&M and buy a, a, a shirt for $10, but then you say, well, there's a reason that shirt is $10. And that's, like, you know, it's the balance. Or they go to Walmart and everything's made in China, but they love that it's <laughs> cheap. And it's like, well, don't be surprised if it doesn't last because it's cheap. So how do you, you know, you we don't want to exploit people, but yet people want cheap stuff. So that's the hardest, I think, in, in the global economy, that's a hard thing. So have you made it like your are uh, a conscious choice to to uh, make quality stuff? I mean, you can make everything cheaper, right? I mean, you could cut corners.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, the bags are pricey, you know, I'm, I know that they're not cheap on the consumer, you know, on the retail level. Um, So
0: we won't be finding them in Walmart is what you're saying.
1: Nope. I mean, unless, (laughs) unless Walmart starts a new section, I don't know. Uh, (laughs) No, you know, and I, because I charge more you know, on the retail side, I have a lot of flexibility with the materials I use, with who I use, you know, it's hard because there's times there's collections I've made that I've specifically chosen to make them less expensive because I want them to be more accessible. You know, I, I know that I have a lot of people that have wanted my bags and have told me they can't afford them. And, you know, I, I want people to be able to. And so I, I really, you know, focused on making them more affordable, but then, you know, it's, it's hard because then you have to, then, you know, everybody kind of gets affected in that. And so, um, so yeah, it's finding balance, but I do find that keeping my prices, you know, where they are and higher is, has been for the most part, the best way to go because then the artisans are really happy. They get, they get to, cause my bags are, you know, these wood carvings, for example, they are so labor intensive and my carver, you know, he would work, all day on them. And he loved it because it's like a meditation for him. And he was such a peaceful man. I actually had a Balinese priest, a monku, making my wood carvings for me. And, you know, I really loved this man. I loved to sit with him and we would talk and he didn't speak English, but we would, you know, in my, the Bahasa that I would get by with, you know, we would have these really <laughs> nice conversations and he would say to me like, this one took me so much longer, you know, I, I want more for it. And I, I would say, okay. And I, I, you know, and that's, it, it feels better to have that flexibility.
0: Do you think you're uh, treated differently in terms of business because uh, you're a woman?
1: You know, I wonder about that. I, it's, I don't know. I don't know Cause I've <laughs> never been a man that I can remember. <laughs>
0: <Right>. <laughs> maybe to send a front in there for you. Like, you know, an imposter to see if he gets a different price on something.
1: Yeah. You know, <laughs> I, I maybe have noticed it a little bit uh, to actually in, in in India a little bit more maybe than in Indonesia, um, I but in Indonesia there's a lot of the women are are um, like run the family there, and a lot of the Balinese women are really strong and the business women, and a lot of the men, you know, are not. They kind of sit back, and <laughs> so I I have it in Bali. I, I don't not that I can think of. I can't think of any um, examples really.
0: I know that. Um... That since we last met, your your mom has passed, and I'm sorry about that. But uh, I know you guys are really close, and she was an artist, right? And uh, she was, in, you said she was an inspiration for this latest collection. How did she inspire you? And what about the collection is like totally her?
1: So my mom, as far as I'm concerned, was a brilliant artist and brilliant painter, just a brilliant person. I really held her in a really high regard. Even beyond her being my mom, and um, she did incredible. Her paintings are incredible. If you want to see, it, it's lauriebloom.com, dot com, L A U R I E B L U M dot com. And she did a lot of incredible flowers and birds. She was she had written a book about the birds' spiritual journey to God called "Conference of the Birds," which was based on attars who was a Persian poet I think 15th century Persian poet and we had we had already started kind of collaborating even before she passed and so I went to India that was the first thing I did in India was embroidering her paint taking her paintings as inspiration and embroidering them onto the bags and so um, this latest and then I did a whole collection called the Lori collection which is literally her painting printed on canvas and then made into bags and then the latest one that I did in Bali is these wood carved clutches. These are the ones that I was talking about. And I um, I took her painting and I made a, like a printout of it. And I glued it to the wood and then I had the carver direct – because originally when I showed him what I wanted, he then made his own interpretation of it. And my mom was really against that. She never wanted – somebody else to interpret her flower. She wanted her flower. And so I thought, you know, how am I going to do this? Can I laser it into the wood first and then carve it? But what I came to is – well, because I saw his method of how he carves. I kind of absor- observed the process and then I realized, okay. So we took the painting, glued it and then – or the print of it and then he carved into the flower and it is so incredible. I mean you'll see in the TV show his way of working, it's – it's unbelievable the way he would bring these flowers and birds to life. It's amazing. So it's a
0: it's a carving. So is it like something to? Um, it's it's just like a artwork, or is it functional in some way? Or
1: so it's an evening bag. It's a little clutch. Oh, and so you know, imagine like a jewelry box, but it's carved on both sides, and you open it like a clutch would open, and has lining inside, and um, yeah. So it's yeah, it's an evening bag that you can put your phone and lipstick and oh cool is that one there that is it oh that's cool yeah yeah i'll bring it over oh i
0: was trying to think of like uh when you said carving i thought it was oh you mean like a little statue or something but no it's a bag a wooden bag oh that's cool it's heavy yeah what kind of wood is it
1: it's sono keeling say that again sono keeling
0: (laughs) i've never heard of that wood
1: yeah it's a got it indian rosewood
0: wow this is this is like really intricate how long does it take to do that?
1: It would t- I mean, it takes several days just for one side. So basically, a week just for the carving. But then the entire process. It. I mean, it takes like a month really to make, or more uh, really to make one. Because the process is, we go to the the lumberyard and, um, I we got we bought scraps so that we that was the way that we were able to be sustainable with it is, you know, get, because they're smaller pieces, we were able to get the scraps there. And then we have to send that to the kiln to dry it so that it never cracks in the future. And it dries out the humidity. And then we, I have a guy, Katut, who carves the actual box. So this shape, this oval shape is carved by hand and with different tools to make that shape. And then after that, we then send that to the Manku, the Balinese priest. And he, Carve, you know. Then we put the painting down. We place everything, and then he carves it with these little flat tools. And then we send that to the um, to Pedro who does the uh, the oh lining. So then the lining is done, and then we have another guy who does the hinges and the magnets. And then it goes back to. To it and he does the um, the final shaping, and then it goes back, and it does then the final <laughs> the waxing to condition it, and it's then you know made smooth. You know, we we sand it and everything, and, and then I make all the other packaging. You know, I make little dust bags and little boxes. Wow. And so it's really time intensive. But I mean, all my things are, but this is an example.
0: You know. Wait, so how long? So one of these would be.
1: I mean, really, like a month or more to be. Wow. I mean, really, yeah.
0: I mean it looks like something that would be carved into a like a building or something. It's pretty Well that was or like a, a church. That was <laughs> you know?
1: that's like, the concept is you know you see these incredible panels or or doors. Remember those huge doors? You yeah, see? yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, so I would see these doors by and I thought, "Oh my god, how what I would like to make a little bag and and I didn't even get the idea to use my mom's work until later and then i thought wow it'd be amazing to take her paintings and carve them and so this is her little bird and these are her flowers wow you can see there oh, that's her painting up there. yeah so that's the this is a print of her painting and you can see the the, the same flower yeah that you see the top right oh yeah wow and then that little bird i think it's the raven yeah or the robin oh, God, holy cow remember. yeah
0: so you don't have to say i mean people can find this on the website is it up here yet
1: it is not up yet, um, but it will be. And um, and also, if you're in London, it's a Fortnum and Mason. Or then in the U.S., you know. And I'm doing really small quantities, so you know they can contact me directly. Um, we're doing four shapes. There's the oval shape, then there's like a hexy shape, and then there's a rectangle. Oh, I guess three shapes and rectangle shape, but I did two styles of the rectangle.
0: Do um, can I ask the uh, retail price in London?
1: You know, I I can't actually remember. I think it's, I think it's. So they, so the oval is the most Mm time-consuming. That's the one I'm holding, folks. Right, right. So they range. I think the hexy. God, I want to say maybe, maybe 500 pounds or something. So maybe like 700 dollars and two. Well,
0: It's a good exchange right now for, for yeah. any of you folks going to uh, the UK I now. I know
1: they wanted to keep the oval under a thousand pounds. I think I actually don't know what the exact price is, but um, in that range, you know, in the, the upper hundreds, something like that. Yeah. This is
0: amazing. I've never seen something like this. This is really cool.
1: Thank you. So this is this is what the the vision is, is of this show and my kind of my future is. I'm really changing my whole business model, and I'm will do this kind of thing, finding more and more sustainable beautiful and having fun and being creative, working with stones and just any, you know, all kinds of things and traveling the world, working with amazing local artisans, getting inspired, being, you know, having the burst of creativity and then moving on. And, you know, cause I don't, I don't really like doing the same thing over and over. <laughs> so it gives me an opportunity to be inventive, you know, figure out something new. And then I've been really fortunate that I have a great customer base that loves, to be surprised and they're, you know, they've been customers for a long time and so they trust me and they say, look, go make it for, you know, whatever you're inspired to do. And so I made jewelry for them and bags for them and jackets for them and future I'll be doing furniture and all kinds of things.
0: Well, this is beautiful. Thank you. Is this a common thing or is this like, I've never seen a wooden one?
1: No. I mean, I thought I know of, um, no, this is awesome. Thank you.
0: It's got a weight to it.
1: Though. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you could hurt somebody with this. Picture. Yes. So it's cool. Let's get off the business just for a second and let's talk about what you did for fun over there. Did you have any fun?
1: <laughs> yeah, that's a great question. <laughs> um, I worked so much. I I know, but
0: you, come on, you must have had
1: yeah, a weekend, I'm, do something? Yeah. I mean, going to Gilead Menno was like my safe haven. I did that probably four times. Um, yeah, and I would go out. You know, I have friends there. We would, we went, we saw, oh, what's that woman's name? Madonna. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> I always forget her name. <laughs> no, like, I'm flanky right now, but there's, you know, there's Potato Head, which is the famous club. You don't know no, Potato Heads? No, I didn't really know it either. Until, it's in Bali. It's in on, uh Yeah. I stayed in Semignac. Yeah. I don't know when they open. They opened more recently and, and, you know, I went to the W, you know, I did the little, you know, my friend, you know, we would, we would, I did stuff. I did have fun, but I was really, really focused on working.
0: (laughs) How's Ubud these days? Is it overrun with um, white ladies in yoga pants? This is what I remember.
1: Yes, it still is. (laughs) Damn you, eat pretty (laughs) love. Yeah. Um, But that's where I spent a lot of time because I made these outside of Ubud. That's, you know, the carvings are a lot of carvings are there. So I I spent a lot. I spent probably more time in Ubud this time than than ever. And I stayed with my friend Katut for a while. And then I also. Stayed in this incredible hotel called um, Vicesa. We did a lot of filming there and um, they were really wonderful, really beautiful. And my friend it was wonderful. You know, I had a lot of, I was really well taken care of while I was there.
0: So, Vicesa, you said? Mm-hmm. You can't spell that, can you? I'm I trying to give yeah. them a plug right now.
1: Yeah, V, like Victor, I S E S A. And really beautiful. Rooms with outdoor I'm such a sucker for an outdoor bathroom, outdoor bathtub, outdoor mm-hmm. shower, I'm sold. and these were beautiful, really well done and private pools and beautiful grounds and they they have it's all sustainable. They have um, farming on the ground so they, it's farm literally farm to table and all organic, no pesticides and uh, you know really about living at one with nature. I had dinner, this will be in the episode, but I had dinner with the they don't call themselves kings anymore, but the royal family of Ubud who owns the hotel so he would be the prince or the king and and so we had dinner and it's it's actually pretty amazing he dressed up and i dressed up as the queen and they did a whole procession <laughs> so that will be on on in the in the tv show and um and then my friend katut is an amazing businesswoman and she just opened a resort and i need to go goodness i need to get the name of it um but her, she's got a great villa as well, Pandora, which is really beautiful. Also, huge pool overlooking these the jungles and the ravines. And um, I'm really so amazed with her. You know, local Balinese powerhouse, like such a <laughs> such a strong woman. And you know, she she was such a so sweet to me, and really took such good care of me.
0: So the, her place is in Ubud as well?
1: Yeah, her place is Pandora, and I want to also um, get the name of her new resort. They just opened in December.
0: Okay. Um, so when you come back after being gone for you know, months and months and months and months, um, when you get back to America and L.A., is it like a an adjustment? Do you have to like – is it hard coming back?
1: uh yeah it is i i mean i will say this i don't i don't think i get culture shock anymore i and you probably don't either you know when you travel so much it's like you get so it's like the it's like you get into this i sometimes i think about it, an airplane as like it's almost feels like time travel now because <laughs> you, like you literally do travel in time well obviously the time goes by but you know you start on one day and depending on where you're going you you lose a day and so yeah,
0: you, or gain a day or yeah. gain
1: a day you have to or do the same day over again <laughs> and you're in a totally new Place and sometimes it does look like you went back a hundred years or something, Um but I, I, I think I'm so used. To, I, I guess also because I'm going back to places that I've been. I think when you know when you go somewhere new, and, like I went to um, the Middle East for the first time. I went to Abu Dhabi and um, and Doha and to Qatar, and that was really cool. Like I had never, I I loved it that that like the feeling of like Arabian Nights, and like I I really was so. Seduced by the the magic of it, and
0: Arabian well. Nights with a Carter, Cartier store right there. Yeah, next yeah, to yeah, it. yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Bl- not, not looking at that <laughs> part, but looking at the deserts and the, oh yeah, the I like the desert. Yeah, it's really cool.
0: What did you think of the Middle East? I hadn't. I hadn't I've only been to a little. A few places, but uh, I haven't been to any of those places you mentioned. What did you think?
1: Well, I haven't spent enough time to really be able to give – I mean, I was only there a day. You know, they were like long layovers basically where I'd have a night and a day to kind of explore a little bit. But I, I was really kind of captivated. Yeah, I wasn't so into the whole kind of shopping. This kind of <laughs> yeah. more superficial side of it didn't really interest me. But the just seeing the land and the architecture, I was really so kind of intoxicated with that
0: could we possibly have a middle eastern uh inspired collection at some point?
1: Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Do you find uh is it is it the architecture or the um uh the art? I know there's there's this kind of a style to it that it's unique in amongst itself. I kind of I kind of I kind of dig it too and it's so different than Asian. You know, I mean, what about it what were the things that really jumped out at you?
1: Well, just from a land perspective i mean just seeing those deserts i think are just so beautiful and you know if you're not used to it it's really amazing the architecture i think is so incredible and i you know i can see being inspired i just right now i just had visually an idea of a dress that i could make using kind of the idea of the architecture of of different buildings and all you know the mosaics and the i mean it's just Otherworldly. I I get so many ideas. Just a
0: Lot of money there. Could we uh, possibly see a Blumera store somewhere in Abu Dhabi?
1: Yeah, <laughs>
0: <laughs> and Doha, and what? The, what's the other? What's the one of the the plane oh, Dubai. goes to, <laughs> Dubai? Yeah. yeah,
1: for sure. I'd I'd be yeah. I have ideas for stores that I want to do all over the place. These concept stores, and I have a lot of ideas. So yeah, I hope. And even a hotel, I have an idea for.
0: Oh wait a minute! You like uh, running it or opening up a?
1: No, I do not want to run it.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's time consuming.
1: <laughs> but I do want to design it and, you know, make it, create it.
0: Yeah, but where would you make it?
1: I don't know. I don't know.
0: Sounds like you got some friends in Ubud with some uh, some connections and some places.
1: <laughs> that's true. I did speak to another prince, another royal, another. You uh, got boy.
0: friends in high places. We got to hang yeah. out more.
1: Another friend uh, who's a royal family from Klungkung, which is the original, one of the original. Uh, Oh, i'm gonna i don't want to say the wrong thing so i'm not gonna say anything <laughs> else but basically he we had talked about the idea he also was simultaneously opening a hotel at that time and we had talked about the idea of you know collaborating
0: mm-hmm. so i know you travel so much for work and everything else is there one place you want to go just for yourself other than uh like the middle east or anything like that do you have any trips planned or gonna take a vacation or what do you think
1: it's really hard for me to separate work and my, you know, every, you
0: can do it, you know, I, I, think I it hear, might be good for you.
1: I've heard about that, but, um, <laughs> you know, the second I think about going somewhere, I'm like, Oh, and then I could do this there. So, so I can't, I can't answer the vacation thing yet, but I can say that I'm very interested in going to Eastern Europe. You know, I want to go to Croatia, Montenegro and all that area. And I, but I want to work there as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's kind of I can do it all there, like I think it's supposed to be really beautiful, but amazing artisans and oh
0: yeah, I've been to Croatia a number of times. I have some friends there. Could hook you up totally. Okay.
1: Yeah. And, any royalty? Uh,
0: no royalty, sorry, I know you run in a high crowd. I guess you know my loser friends are not the- I do know a guy who owns a, a winery though
1: I'll take it. yeah, see that's <laughs>
0: that's royalty in my book. Um, so this next so say the next uh, few months, what's your what, what can we expect from you and your collection?
1: Oh, good question. Well, I've got to edit what I have. Just find an editor. That's my first thing. Um,
0: those guys make money, and they're never out of work because so many people. It's so easy to shoot stuff now, with you know the equipment is cheaper than ever. But finding some guy to sit there and just cut it all together—that's yeah. Those guys, screw those guys, man. They get, they're always busy. They'll never go out of work. Not with reality TV. So anyway, go on.
1: <laughs> you sure you? <laughs>
0: no, I'm going to rant on those guys. <laughs>
1: Um <laughs> say that
0: <laughs> when I need one. Okay.
1: okay. <laughs> um, I don't know, actually.
0: What I point. may know of a few guys, actually. You could,
1: okay, you could, good. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't know what my... I, I guess I'll be hitting the road soon again and doing another episode and making a whole new collection. So where that is, I don't know. I have some ideas for India of things I want to make there, but I have ideas of things I want to make a lot of places. So it kind of excites me to go somewhere totally new, and by the way, this is not – this show will not only be um, outside the U.S. I also plan to do this within the U.S. and go places. I mean I did it already. I just wish I had a camera. But I was in South Carolina when my friend Uzo um, was nominated for an Emmy and then won it. And she asked me to make a clutch for her for the Golden Globes – was it the Golden Globes? or No, the Emmy. Excuse me. My wow. God, my brain. Um and I did it in like four or five days in South Carolina, in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, <laughs> which unfortunately does not have a lot of artisans. Yeah, a lot
0: home of, of the deep fried seafood and golf.
1: Yeah, not a lot of local industry, but I made it happen through a lot of prayer and a lot of crazy <laughs> willpower. I don't know what. <laughs> and uh, so that's also part of the show is just, you know, it's anywhere in the world. It's not only the places that we think of. Um, yeah. Yeah.
0: So are you putting up all the money for the production and all the costs yourself?
1: Yeah. Well, I, again, I have an amazing customer base and so they pre-ordered and so I was able to to kind of, um, pay it forward. You know, I, that's not the right, but you know what I mean? I was able to, uh, yeah, to, to do this. Yeah.
0: Not stressful at all.
1: Well, I mean, depends on how you look at it. I I, I feel a. Uh, uh, well, that's
0: good. The fact you don't know, you don't have anybody to answer to, and you make the decision. Yeah,
1: I actually had production companies before I left who were wanting to do the show. No notes. Yeah, and I I really wanted to have my go of it. I wanted to create my vision. I didn't want somebody saying, "Hey, we need more drama." You know, right, I, I wanted right. it to be my show. And then I thought, you know what when i come back to sell it then i'll take notes then i'll hear what people have to say but i wanted to at least say this is what my vision is and then from there you know
0: was there was there drama was there some kind of
1: yeah yeah there was but most of it was with my uh, crew <laughs> no, <I'm just> <laughs> so we didn't film the <laughs>
0: Yeah, that's, there's always some kind of drama. And that's a, the problem is they, when they try to manufacture it, that's when it doesn't look right. You right, know, right, right. If it's genuine drama, that's interesting.
1: There's there's always drama. I mean, the stakes are always high and there's always problems. And there, it's human, you know, human emotion, human, you know, especially when you're passionate about what you're doing and, you know, can't, you can't help but Right. counter that.
0: So give us the, uh, the website if people are interested and they want to go uh, either shop or just follow along with you.
1: So probably the best place to follow along is instagram and my instagram is bluemara b l u m e r a underscore official so bluemara underscore official and my website is bluemara dot com b l u m e r a dot com okay facebook facebook's saying bluemara just no official just bluemara
0: well thank you for doing this thanks for uh for allowing me your place looks great thank you it's little little crowded
1: yeah yeah <laughs> got some stuff in. We're going to
0: move some of these bags though. So yeah. folks go to uh, com, buy yourself a bag and check out these wooden. We're going to put some photos up of the uh of of the uh, merchandise because it looks really cool. And this wooden thing is uh is totally cool. I'm sold. Yeah. Although it looked a little weird for me to carry one around.
1: I'll have to make a mail version like a, <laughs> a how about I... how... a wood I wallet? I actually thought about that? <laughs> It's like, a little hard to sit on, though. Well, what if it was like a money clip or something? No, I don't know. I'm not going to do that. But what if it was a wooden briefcase? No, I'm not going <laughs> to yeah. do that either. A cigar box. There you go. Done and done. Cool. This
0: is actually yeah. kind of cigar box size.
1: Yeah. Well, there's a the rectangle one, which should be, oh, yeah, be perfect. already done. Yeah. Oh, nice. So for men, you can get the rectangle clutch as your cigar box. <laughs> <All right. laughs> Mara Bloom,
0: everybody. Thank you.
1: Thank you.